This is Talking Beats. I'm Daniel Lelchuk, and I welcome you. Go ahead and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join us at Talking Beats Podcast on social media to keep the conversation going. On today's program, we're speaking with singer-songwriter and guitarist Anders Osborne, the musician who for years has been thrilling music lovers with his original compositions that blend a deep personal quality and raw emotion with a nod to the rich musical traditions that preceded him, continues to be a force and the beloved figure of the music scene of this country. Anders Osborne, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. Pretty good introduction, right? Oh, it's the bomb. The best I've ever had. <laughs> uh, we, we can take that little clip out and send it to you, and you, you can just play it all over on all your interviews. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put her on headphones while I'm out running. That's all I'm going to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> just those 35 seconds on a loop. Dude, I love it. <laughs> so, look, I want to get right into it. You... You don't shy away from bringing the tough, passionate, powerful emotions directly from your life straight into your songs. And I want to know, when, when did you learn about yourself that this direct line, as I'm calling it, life to music, worked best for you, felt most natural for you? Hmm. That's interesting. I think something... Lyrically, something happened after Katrina hit. There was such a stirring of, I think, you know, old, buried and, and repressed emotions from childhood and everything. So fear and sadness and mourning, all these things, mental issues, whether it was depression, uh, anxieties, all that stuff came to the surface. Now, I was very active in my addiction at the time. So I was drinking and drugging violently. But I remember through the fog and all the haze and the stuff that was going on, that each poem or each writing attempt was coming from a different place. So I think that catapulted me into a different arena, that event. It was so traumatic to have the majority of the city and your home and your house and everything destroyed, completely destroyed and underwater, and there was nothing here, just death. And it's it's a, a bizarre thing to go through, as anyone who's been through natural disaster or something of this magnitude. From that point on, then when I got sober in 2009, it got even bigger, I think, and even deeper. I started to talk about things through the therapy I was doing and uh, step work with the AA that I'm part of and a lot of the work that I was doing on myself became important uh, again in the prose and all the poetry and the lyrics and the writing it had to be worked out and so that's that's kind of I think I think those were the two main changes that happened so that would be 2005 and 2009 you know I wonder what you see is the relationship between music and text. You know, these two things are, are so linked. When we hear a song, sometimes I feel yeah. we, we don't even know why we like it. We don't know if we like the words or the music or both or the way to, 
they go together. What what is it for you about the way the music and the text works when when you go to design a song? That's a great question. In order to find the right, you know, the the tempos and the 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 movement and the chord and the key with some kind of poetry or words. I have a bunch of guitars, some in different tunings, different types of sounds, and then I use capos a lot and open tuning so like i said and then i i move around and i pick something up and i strum it and then so what i try to marry is not slow and minor is sad but i try to find how do i express it it always starts with music i may have some ideas but they're more like scripts they'll be like almost like writing a short novel i'm going i'd like to find something about if I ran away from everything and I ended up, let's say, in Key West, so now I'm at the end of the United States, that's a cool line. Does that mean it's the end of the United States as we know it, and then off I go? Or is it the, I'm at the literal end, hmm, and now you have a topic and I can go. But most of the time, it's the other way around. It's all music, it's all rhythm and again, it's in the instrument that I find something, and then there's a word or a line that comes with it that opens up sort of a chest of gold. Let's go back to the roots. Let's go back. You were born in Sweden. Where did you grow up? How did you get your start in music? When did you first, you know, I, as a someone in the field and classical music, I, I, I always talk to people about how, how you feel music when you first know it's going to be your life. You feel it as a force. It's pulling you. And yeah, and and they're like, how do you decide to go into music? And and I, uh, to me, you know, there was no decision. It, it it was absolutely the only thing. It was the inevitable. What what was it with you, Anders? I was eight years old, and we had a pump organ in my parents' bedroom. My mom was cleaning. She was making their bed, and uh, I sat down and I started pumping. And I had never, you know, I hadn't touched it before. And then I started playing around, and then. I remember vividly how there was a melody that I came up with. Yeah, it made me start tearing up. And I got very emotional. And I remember thinking, wow, this is my language. This is what I do. Actually, I never thought of it, like you said, it wasn't a decision of a career. I never made that decision, I think, directly. I only see it as a career when I talk to managers and you know, people with a lot of ambition. And then you get affected by that, and then you start talking the same language. But when I go back to the original thought, which I have the last three, four years really focused on, which is only the connection between me and God, me and the universe, using it as my language and make sure that I respect it and that I am, you know, being, I, I treat it as something sacred. And it's not for me, it's for other people. And that happened, I think, when I was eight. How does that relationship, as you go on, as you sort of see more clearly, you know, back and forwards and hear the present, how does that evolve with age, I wonder? Not that you're an elderly person by any chance, but, uh, but you, you know, you have now enough, enough years under your belt to be able to look back. Obviously, the addiction, yeah. uh, you know, is, is part of those earlier years, which you, you can't avoid. Yeah, I think being in my mid-50s, it's more of being of service. 
the way it has changed has been, I just want to do my thing. <laughs> that was like, uh, I just want to be true to the music. I don't want to sell out. And then it goes to, I want to sell out. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be famous. I want everyone to love me. I want to be popular. When I show up, I want it to be about me. All that. There's so many different and one phase can last for six months and then that's over. And another one can be six years. But like I said, for about three plus years, I got, had a breakdown three years ago where I understood that what I was doing, I cannot do anymore, which at the time was nonstop touring, just repeating the same old songs over and over and over, try to write some more so we can add a little spice to it and then just basically be a cover band of yourself you just play and play and play and play and play and play and i'm like no there's no living here there's no experience going on i'm in hotels i'm in buses or airports i'm not living at all i have nothing to say and that change was very crucial for me for personally and i think uh musically because after that, I decided that I, uh, I need to focus on the writing because the writing is where it is for me. And I need to write good songs. I need to work on that, make sure I can communicate something of value. Does that answer your question? Well, of course, any answer would be valid. So it sounds like you, you were going on autopilot for a while and sort of just coasting and being worn down by the constant touring and the constant uh, repetition of the same things and yep. feeling you, you, you weren't doing what you needed to do artistically to, to go to bed satisfied every night. You got it. Talk about your influences. You, you said once that, this is a quote, blues was like a thread running through everything. What, what does that mean? Can you, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I, th I think the sadness and melancholy... I don't think I meant the musical style. Now, I use the musical style because most reporters, they want you to call yourself something. Now, you are a musician, so you know the difference. There is a melancholy and a sadness from previous lives, from different parts of my existence that are in me in this form and in this life. And I, that's part of my spiritual journey that I work through. So that blues, that sadness, mourning and loss, shame, all those things, they're right in the middle of what I do. Now, lately, I've been coming out of that, and there are different emotions. But I think from the beginning, what made me do that melody at eight made me cry. It didn't make me joyous. But I felt happy and content being melancholy. So that's what I meant with that statement. I wonder what you've been doing in the past few months. Obviously, you're not touring heavily now. What is the musical fire coming from right now? Have you been in your house in New Orleans? You look around at emptier streets. Uh, what, what's, what's been feeding you recently? I think meditation, being with the family, getting to write about small things, in the home and, and the environment here. And then we've had some big moves, you know, spiritually, but also uh, socially, there's been, you know, huge things with the Black Lives Matter and all these things. So there's a lot of big shifts that can provoke, at least initiate uh, new songs and new ideas. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm trying to look at the songs I'm looking at here. I had one that starts out, It's hard to know if anything matters as our daily life unfolds. I keep wondering if there was one decision I made that got me feeling this old, or is it the hundred times a day I choose to not do what I want, or is it every time I say I like something that I don't? Anyway, that's the beginning of one. So these are like mm. just... They're almost stream of consciousness prayers. One's about my uh, wife being beautiful and dancing in the kitchen. And so I wrote about that. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's everything. I, I think it's the ability to find the small things inspiring is probably the, the biggest change. Yeah. What do you think the relationship is between the the bigger world and and what you write you mentioned the black lives matter a movement and yep. uh you know if you're in your mid 50s you, you you've seen a good deal of of different things over the decades and and i know about what the the personal has to do with what goes into your music but when you look around at, at broader themes in society I, w I wonder if those can't but make their way into your music somehow yeah I think it's part of your job, if there is such a thing as a job to be alive. But if there is, the description that goes with uh, an, any artist description, I think it is to help push the boundaries, to make new areas be normal and comfortable. If you live only in the, the already fenced off area, you're not really creating anything because it's already been done. So... I don't think that's being an artist. I'm not saying you can't be a musician and, and stay in the in the frame, but I think you have to pay attention to the bigger things moving around, and then you have to stretch the boundaries. That is part of the description as an artist, I believe. You are making new land available for other people to explore. That's such a fascinating point. I wonder if it at all plays into you if you're influenced and and thinking about what's happening now. And then you wonder to yourself, Anders, I wonder if people are going to be listening to my music in 20, 30, 40 years. Do you think musicians such as you run the risk that there's a relatability and, and a strong cultural relevance to now? And that somehow in the future, maybe people won't be able to relate at least to the text. Maybe they will to the music. Does that come into play? Actually, I know that I don't think about the impact of my music has I, i'm more looking for a here and now like in the moment connection so when i write it's the connection to the song and making sure that it's clear that what i'm saying is either on point or it's vague because that's what i want like it, it has to be i have to spend enough time making sure it is what i want to do it demands my in the moment presence I can't think of the future or anything. That's just me about what the impact will be. I, I can't. I When I was younger, I could have. I probably used to think, thinking back, that this would be good live. This will be a good rock and roll song. This is a good tempo song. I used to staff write up in Nashville, and then that's all you do. You think of the artist. And, uh, okay, the theme today is hope. Everybody likes hope. And I'm being a little sarcastic, but it's because it is pretty weird. But so then you focus on that. Now, the effect of that is that I learned a lot about crafting. But 
I've also learned that that's not what I want to do. I want to be in the moment and then somehow me and the moment will create something. And when it's done, it's done. Whether it's finished or not, it doesn't really matter. But the moment will end. And then I, you know, I go for a run or something. I do something different. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wonder, you, you use that word that that's a, that's a, it's a tough word. It a, means different things to everybody. Hope. Is it dangerous to write about hope in a way? Is it, are you maybe falling into a, a trap of cliches? I, I, I wonder, you know, how, how do you approach that? That is a great question. Again, I think what you just described is actually part of the fundamentals of being a good writer is to understand that each word means something and it means different things to different people in different situations, different time of the day. In the fall and in the spring, love means different things. At night, when you're home, outside and inside, these are things I have workshops and I, this is very specifically what I talk about. If you're going to write about hope, is it a dull hope? Is it a sharp hope? Is it a longing hope? Is it a fruitful hope? You can put so many words in front and behind the word hope to describe. It's a soft hope. It's a gentle hope. It's a strong hope. So hope is the same as pain. Is it a dull pain? Is it a, you know what I mean? Is it a rumbling pain? Is it an old pain or a new pain? Same thing with hope. So you have to pay attention to what, what you just said is key. If you use hope, if you use it as a broad stroke of saying America, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And I think that's it's I love that question. That got me going. I love that question because writing is all about that. And you can only find that or I can only find the truth of each word or each topic or song if I'm in the moment. I have to stay present and I have to repeat it over and over and over. I have to bang it out. It's, a, it's an actual sculpting out of a piece of rock. You ha it, it's in there, but you have to do all the work. And it can take three minutes or three years. It doesn't matter. But you know the stuff's in there. I love that question. English is your second language. I'm assuming Swedish is your first. And, and, and you do all your work or, or the work that you're really known for in, in English. Did you ever wake up one day and say, God, I wish I could just start writing in Swedish? I speak it so poorly because I was so young when I left that I actually, I can't even communicate in Swedish correctly. It's, it's, <laughs> shame, it's, it's shameful, but my dad and I speak and he speaks Swedish with me and we have to translate like every, yeah, every fifth word. I have to like ask him what this and this is called. I have no idea. I, I have a feeling if I went back to Sweden and spend a year there, some of that would come back. But some of it, you know, when you're so young, you don't have a, a, an adult vocabulary when you're 15. But I tell you what, when I meditate and pray, sometimes I use the sweetest word to get into the depth of some uh, experiences. Because my original, let's say I was gripped by something at the age of five, then I would not know that feeling through the English word. I wouldn't know what it means. Let's say it's, see if I can come up with an example. It's different for me to say mom or mama and then to say it in Swedish, mama. If I say mama, it resonates a little bit further down in my stomach. 
So the word itself is more linked to the the time when I experienced that word. It's not the the intellectual, I think, part of the word to speak English or Swedish. I think that's not as relevant as when did you experience the word. I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the people who, I, I hate to use the word inspire, it's, it's another dangerous word, but some of the people who you fall back <laughs> on. <laughs> I love the word inspire, but but I'm, I'm very wary of it because I, I, I think yeah. it's a little overused and, and we talk about inspirational this and inspirational that. And But, you know, I, I think we all have these figures that are sort of in our DNA, in, in that cultural and musical fabric. And, and I wonder yeah. who for you, when... When things are bad, you know, when things are down, who do you sit on the couch and, and put on? Who do you want to listen to? I think Coltrane is a huge part of what I go back to. Uh, Jerry Mulligan and Stan Getz have some records. I always like Miles Davis. It's been a while. The Kind of Blue record was kind of a, uh, a big uh, landmark in my life. You know, Charlie Parker, some of the stuff he did with strings and stuff in uh, live in Paris is beautiful. But I think on the songwriting uh, section, which I don't listen to very often. Yeah, I don't know how long it's been since I listened to those guys, but I'd say Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell. There are a handful of Van Morrison records that are great. You know, you mentioned um, and as you mentioned, kind of blue and I. Miles Davis and I, I put it on recently actually a couple of weeks ago and I, I, I love it deeply and I have for years but it's it's a tough listen you know it's it's a hard album to to listen to all, all the way through and I and I did but it takes something out of you it takes a, a certain concentration and attention it's not a it's not a light listen kind of blue yeah it's you said the blues as a thread I think for me it's probably one of the lighter listens I can listen to. It is the most relaxing because of the enormous amount of melancholy. It's like, I don't know, it feels like a lullaby, the whole record to me. It's so soothing. I think the expression of something like that, I don't know, have you heard, there's a record by Van Morrison that I think lives in that arena and that's a common one where he does a lot of chanting and he does these extended and they've added the strings just like on astral weeks. Yeah. But they, they added the stuff afterwards. So you can hear there's a small quartet. that's probably, you know, kicked ass on the tracks very quickly, but then they've added this lush choirs and stuff. And the common one, I mean, it's just a holy piece of music. It's fantastic. One of my earliest actually miles was the, um, Oh my God! What was it? My dad turned me on to. What's it called? Uh, shit. Maybe if it, uh, maybe if if it weren't Swedish, you'd be able to remember the name. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, 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 no. But I think in Cat Stevens, I had a, a a moment in Cat Stevens. I think live, my biggest uh, inspiration was actually there was a live performance on a Wednesday, St. Christopher. I was like 18 or something, and I was in New York. And uh, Mike Stern and his trio was playing on St. Christopher Street downstairs. It was parallel with the craziest Neil Young show I've ever seen. It was just out of hand. It reminded me of like Sex Pistols, but it, it was playing. they were playing fusion. And it was just, it was magical. It stayed with me for the rest of my life. 
that show was just so it was probably only 10 people in there and they kicked ass they were so good what else has really inspired me i think picasso reading about him and watching his art i think carl jung has been a big influence there are a lot of just literatures and and you know yogis and stuff ramana mahirshi has been very important for a long long time so there's a variation of things that i think grounds me and makes me feel like you know there's lot there's people that i can relate to that that make me feel like i can do better i should do better uh, i should step up my game and continue with what i'm doing i love that 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 constant self evaluation and 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 self uh examination and and i don't know i get from you that that you're always trying to hold yourself to a, to a higher standard and try to find more clarity as to what you want to say and i think that's great i wonder if you have any other other than the past minutes i wonder if you have any you know words of wisdom for young musicians who might be listening to this who might be looking to you for for their to use our word inspiration i think uh, don't be afraid to look within yourself the more you learn about yourselves and educate yourself about this you know and i say it not lightly or a cliche but the form that you have taken is for a very specific purpose so you're here only to be yourself you're not here to be something or someone everyone else has been taken like mark twain said you have to find out who you are and that journey is the most exciting of all because once you get a hold of that you can truly express yourself and you can be unique whether you're popular or not that's a different story if you're an ambitious musician and you want to you want to be famous and you want to be very popular then you have to focus on different things eventually you have to really play the game well and all that stuff and that's that's totally fine too it's just that that's something you should do later you should start by finding out what your voice sounds like and what you are inside what's the trauma you've gone through or lack of trauma you haven't gone through find out what is you what do you sound like self reflection is a huge part of becoming a great artist and if you want to be a great artist uh, or a great musician sorry you have to be a great artist because music is an entire language and if you want to create something truly you have to know the language and the language is you you know it reminds me of that great quote from the wonderful spanish cellist pablo casals who who said first i'm a human being second i'm a musician and third i'm a cellist you know the <laughs> that's beautiful that's so great uh, i and yeah, I, we can all look it. to that for you know what an example of of how how life comes into the music and it doesn't go the other way yeah. around that's right that's right that's so great i'm going to use that life comes into the music not the other way around and and that's i i stress that in the songwriter classes that i do you have to learn self reflection it's painful sometimes and you may not be able to keep it up all the time but you have nothing to say if you don't know what you want to say when can we hear some new music from you 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 gave us a little taste of of three lines of 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 text before when when can we hear a little i have a completed very electric rock and roll old school just straight up me record that's finished but we're waiting for the timing of it 
What I want to do in between is probably come up with also a solo acoustic with just the songs. It's a, an intimate because that's the world we're living in now with the screaming and stuff. So I would say the next six months, there should definitely be something out, maybe even sooner. Anders Osborne, we're going to look forward to it. And we thank you so much for your great words of wisdom and insights into music. You're great. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. You've been listening to Talking Beats. I hope you'll subscribe and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. The original theme music for this program is by Ronald Markham. The producer of digital content is Brian West. The executive producer is Doug Christian. I'm Daniel Lelchuk. See you next time.